You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. Welcome to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. We're talking about the good fight of faith And there's nobody I know of in the Bible who demonstrates the good fight of faith any better than Abraham. So let's go back and find a place in Genesis chapter 12. Uh, Yesterday we read the first four verses. We showed you how that God called Abraham out of Ur of the Chaldees and he went halfway toward the land of Canaan uh, to a place called Haran, which would be in northern Syria. And then finally, when he was 75 years old, he separated from all of his family, bringing only his nephew Lot, and they went into the land of Canaan. And that's where we find Abraham as we begin this lesson. Now, the Bible says in verse 6 of Genesis 12, Abram passed through the land to the place of Shechem. So he went through the north part of the land of Canaan. He went through the Golan Heights. Uh, He would have went through the Galilee. He passed down past the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. He came as far as the Terebinth tree of Morah. And the Canaanites were then in the land. Now the Canaanites were extremely wicked people. They were already into horrible, horrible idolatry. Uh, Their idolatry was based upon a lot of illicit sex, temple prostitutes, etc. Lots of illegitimate babies born. And the solution for dealing with them was to offer those babies to their gods. So these were a despicable group of people. But in the middle of all this, verse 7, it said, "...the Lord appeared to Abram and said, "'To your descendants I will give this land.'" And there he built an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. So God right away confirmed to him, you're on the right track. Now, I want to show you something in this. When you're following God, you don't always wind up in the middle of a bunch of saints. Uh, Abraham was in the middle of great darkness. This was not a holy, holy country with holy, holy people. It wasn't that way at all. But God still covered Abraham in the middle of all this. And this is what I find about the Lord. Uh, the Lord can draw a line of separation. You see it later in the story of Moses and the children of Israel at the Red Sea. Pharaoh's armies had come down to kill them, and they were so close to them that the only thing that separated uh, the children of Israel from the armies of Pharaoh would have been the cloud that God put between them. Just a cloud. That's all it was. was a, and we don't know how thick it was, but it, it certainly wasn't that thick. But it was sufficient, and God put a divider between the evil people and the people who were following him. And so God has that amazing ability, and that's what was going on with Abraham. I want you to think about this. It's as if there's an umbrella following him everywhere he goes. And uh, the Hebrew uh, talks about this. This is something that, that, that God does with his people. He puts a covering or a hoopah, C-H-U-P-A-H. I think it would be how it was spelled in English, but it, it, it's hoopah, and it's a covering that God has for his people. You have a covering like this. Your covering doesn't extend over the whole world, doesn't extend over your whole city. It extends over you. And you and your family are covered by your authority. So when you believe God, your jurisdiction is your family. Joshua said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Paul told the Philippian jailer, "Uh, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, 
you shall be saved and all your house. So your hoopah extends to your family. And even those of you who have wayward children, your covering of authority extends to them. And so um, uh, you don't give up on them. All right? The scripture says about Abraham that he moved from there to the mountain east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west, Ai on the east, and there he built an altar, second one. And uh, he called on the name of the Lord. So Abraham uh, maintained this vibrant relationship with God. He is looking to God. He's building on him. Mean, he just got into the country, and he's already built two altars. And so he is working to stay in touch with God. And he's not working uh, on his own behalf. He is keeping up his communication. And that's really our greatest work. Our greatest work that we're called to do is to stay in fellowship with God. And that's a work of grace. He calls us into fellowship with him. That means that you go after his word. You pursue him. You read the scriptures. And this is what I have found about reading the scriptures. There are days that I've read the scriptures. I felt nothing when I read them. But it was later on in a time of confusion perhaps or in a time of battle that the Holy Spirit would bring back to my mind uh, what I had read and He would remind me of that. And this is precisely what Jesus said He would do. He will remind you of what I've said. He'll bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said to you. That's what Jesus said the Holy Spirit would do. And uh, it is amazing how He does that. And so I would encourage you to read the Word even when you don't feel like it. Now, Genesis chapter 12 and verse 10. Now there was a famine in the land, as Ab and Abram went down to Egypt to dwell there, for the famine was severe in the land. So he gets to the land of Canaan, the place where God called him, and all of a sudden what happens? It's famine. Guess where that came from? That didn't come from God. That came from Satan. Satan is working to keep Abraham from living in the place that he has been called to live in, the place that God's going to give him and his seed. So Abraham goes down to the land of Egypt. Now, Abraham is imperfect in his faith. He's not where he's going to be. Uh, he hasn't grown in faith yet. He's just beginning his walk with God. So as he goes down to Egypt, he falls into a spirit of fear. And he says to his wife Sarai, who's very beautiful, he says to her, tell everybody when we get there that you are my sister. And that was partly true because they had the same father, not the same mother. So they were half brother, half sister. And he said, tell them all you're my sister because if they think that you're married to me, they'll kill me so they can take you because you're so beautiful. Well, he gets into Egypt, and he was correct. They did see Sarah. They were very impressed with her. The Pharaoh took her into his harem. Now, he would not have immediately consummated a relationship with her, uh, but she would have been put into a process of cleansing and bathing and, and so forth, which is what those kings did in those days. They would bring women into their harem, and after a period of time, they would bring them in uh, a little closer. So the thing that was going on was this process uh, had begun to happen. Abraham was, or Abram as he was at the time, he was so weak in his faith that he put his own wife's honor at stake. Now this is really a shameful thing, and this is not to his credit. But here's what I want you to see about all this. Even though he was being very cowardly, and we've all had our cowardly moments, even though he failed in this time, 
God still had his hand on Abraham. And uh, God plagued the house of Pharaoh to the extent that Pharaoh realized everything started when I took that woman into my household. And he goes back to Abraham and he says, take her. And he'd already given Abraham all kinds of gifts uh, for Sarah. He had paid for her, the, the, the dowry that uh, people did in those days. And uh, he didn't ask for any of that stuff back. He told Abraham, take your stuff, go, get out of here, don't want you around. And so God rescued uh, Abraham from this sticky situation. Now, this is what I want you to see from this lesson, that you don't have to be perfect to walk in faith. You're going to stumble. You're going to mess up. God's a God of mercy. And this is what God wanted Abraham to see about this covenant. Now, think about this. Adam sinned. One time and lost everything, was driven out of the Garden of Eden. Abram had sinned again and again. He wasn't perfect. He had fallen into fear, which is the first manifestation of someone not walking with God. That's what we see with Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. The first manifestation of their sinfulness was they were fearful. Abraham had fallen into fear, but in spite of it all, God covered him. Now, Abram had to think about this. This is, going, this is a different covenant because God's not done with me even though I screwed up. He covered me with his mercy, and that's what God does. Now, that doesn't mean that we sin with impunity, that we defy all of God's codes and, and all of his instructions. It doesn't mean that, but it means that God is merciful to us when we walk with him and when we are intent upon walking with him. And that's that's what happened with Abraham. Now, then God began to do something with Abram. Uh, Genesis chapter 12, uh, God said in verse 7, we read this a minute ago, but I want you to see it again. God said, to your descendants, I will give this land. Now, God starts dropping these ideas on Abraham that he is going to have a whole lot of children. And I'm sure that his first thoughts are that something is going to happen and Sarai, who has not been able to have children, is suddenly going to be able to have children. But uh, that wasn't the case, uh, not immediately anyway. Uh, it didn't happen as quickly as he thought it might. And you know, uh, that's the way it is when we follow God. Some things don't come about as quickly as you think, but God's never late. And if God holds something up, it's because he has something better in mind. I remember when I was uh, believing God for television gear, and I, I got everything that we needed except three cameras. And I couldn't get enough money to get three cameras, but of all the equipment that we needed, the thing that I could do without the easiest would be those three cameras because cameras were something that I could rent. So I rented cameras one day a week and had all my recording equipment, editing equipment for the other uh, five days a week that I needed to have guys working on our TV show. Now, we went for about six months with no cameras of our own, and those rent cameras were getting terrible. Let me tell you what I mean by that. They didn't match anymore. My shirt would be a certain color if uh, we were shooting on one camera, we would go to the next camera and it had changed colors because the color matches were almost impossible because the, color, the cameras hadn't been maintained very well. But I wanted these three cameras, needed them badly. They were $180,000 for the trio. And in one day, a new model came out. 
and I was able to get those cameras for $20,000 a piece. A new chip camera hit the market, and now for the price of one of the old cameras, I could get three brand new cameras. Then the money came. God saved me $120,000. Anytime we have to wait, it is because God has something better. This is the way He works. God had something way better for me. Now, so God keeps hinting to Abraham. Let me show you another place. Uh, after these things, Genesis 15, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram, I'm your shield, your exceeding great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me? Seeing I go childless and the heir of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. I've got, uh, there's a servant I've got that he'll probably wind up with everything I've got. But God took him outside and said, look now toward heaven, count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. And Abram believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Now, this was a very general promise. God said, you will have descendants like the stars of the heavens. Abram believed that, but there was not a word in that promise about Sarai. God did not say, Sarai is going to be the mother. So he doesn't quite know how it is going to happen. He knows it's going to happen. But let me tell you what God's doing. God is building an image of hope in Abram's heart because all faith starts with hope. Hope is an imagination of a desired thing or a desired outcome. That's what's going on. So Abram is looking to the future, and he sees, I don't know how it's going to happen. Somehow or another, I will have a great family. Now, let's keep looking. Abram begins to think, maybe I need to play a part in this. So I'm going to read Genesis chapter 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. And Sarah said to Abraham, See now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children. Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan. So he went into Hagar, and she conceived. Now I've heard all kinds of crazy things said about this. I've heard that Hagar was sex trafficked. That's the biggest bunch of bull I've ever heard. Hagar was thrilled to be the mother of Abraham's child. You see it in the way she was puffed up, full of pride, and very eager to have this baby. She was very much consenting to this. The second thing I want you to see, this is not adultery. According to the code of Hammurabi, which was the code of the land in that day, this would have been the common law that everybody in the area kept. A man could take his wife's uh, maid and she could be a mother, a surrogate mother for the baby that the mistress could not have. And Hagar was willing to do this. This was not some kind of a rape or any other sexual assault. And uh, people do all kinds. Of, and, and we're, you know, we live in the day today uh, called presentism where we judge everybody in the past by today's standards. And uh, it, it's a foolish way to think because we don't live with what these people lived with. They had to deal with things in their day as they were. And so this at the time would have been honorable. Now it wasn't honorable in this sense. It was not great faith. 
It was Abraham and Sarai taking a step of their own toward fulfilling a promise that God made. And in that sense, it wasn't right, and it wasn't the best. It was an act of unbelief. And so in that sense, it wasn't the best thing. But God still blessed them, and he blessed Ishmael, and he blessed the whole situation as much as it could have been blessed. But God told him, he who comes out of your own bowels will be your heir, you'll be the father. And of course, at the time, God said nothing about Sarai. He hadn't give, given any specific promise to her, but he's building over and over again in Abraham's mind. I am going to make you a great nation. So Abram's done everything he can possibly do. I mean, this is the limit that he can do. He can't do anything more than this to try to bring about this promise from God. But God still lets him know, I still have something even better than this. So we're going to get into this more tomorrow, and we'll understand how God changed everything in the next visit that he had with Abram and Sarai in Genesis chapter 17. Don't miss that part of this series. See you then. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.